All right, our psalm that calls worship this morning. And I would ask you to go ahead and stand for this psalm, okay? Let's stand up, hear the reading of the psalm. In this case, our standing is going to be a sign of our respect and our honor to God, and then we're going to move into our praises. Psalm 51, we encounter a variety of psalms and prayers, and it, bring, it, it connects to us in all of the places where we find ourselves, in our rejoicing, in our sorrows, in our fearfulness, in our thankfulness, in our contentedness, and even in our anger. Psalm 51 is often tied in with David and his sin with Bathsheba, but it belongs to us as much as it did to King David. Because if we've ever felt the pain, the regret, the self-hatred, or the shame of past sins, or even our current sins, then this psalm, Psalm 51, is our psalm. The only ones who cannot claim this psalm as their psalm are those who claim to be without sin. Have mercy on me, O God, because of Your unfailing love, because of Your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what's evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb. Teaching me wisdom even there. This is our psalm. The only ones who cannot claim this psalm are those who say that they have no sin. But for all the rest of us, this psalm is, it is healing. It is a tune-up. It is help. Remember that the mission of this church focuses in four ways. Campus kids, healing, and hope. And so we claim this psalm. And it's not a psalm of groveling. It's not a psalm of anxious pleading. It's a psalm that's confident that God is merciful. We don't have to convince God to be merciful. We're acknowledging that God is merciful and that He is gracious. Now what we do in this psalm is we grow up, we wake up, and we learn what His mercy means for us. Others may be at fault for what has gone wrong. Others may be the ones who we could blame for the bad things going on with me, but the sin that's generated from that, the woundedness, the resentment, the anger, even the actions that follow, we have to take responsibility for those. In fact, this psalm reminds us, and I love this term that I learned from a colleague of mine in his newsletter, we are response-able response-able. That means that we are able to choose a response. And in this psalm, we find the directions of, of the Holy Spirit that leads us to make that response that we need to make and live in God's mercy. We can be way too easy on ourselves. 
and declare that we are the victim and everyone else is to blame and everyone else is responsible. And that's not the truth. Or we can be way too hard on ourselves and we can make ourselves out to be the villain. And we can claim that everything is our fault. And it's just right for us to continue to suffer. We are neither victims nor villains. We are the children of God the Father and we turn to Him in His mercy so that we may be cleansed. Yes, we are stained with sin. Yes, we struggle with sin. But yes, in His mercy, He cleanses and renews us. Notice the language now after the admission of sin in verse 7. The words that we sing in this psalm say, Purify me. Purify me from my sins. And I will be clean. I will be whiter than snow. Wash me. I will be whiter than snow. Give me back my joy again. You've broken me. But now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins, God. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from Your presence. Don't take Your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of Your salvation and give me a spirit willing to obey You. As we get ready to sing, I want you to just think about a few things that we've heard there. That every time we sing this psalm, this may be the time for us to come clean. We talk about coming clean, we say that to others, you know, well, you need to come clean with the truth. You need to come clean with the facts. There's that idea within us at every level, wherever we live in this world, whatever we're engaged in, there's this notion of how cleansing and how renewing an honest assessment of the truth is. That as long as we carry around bitterness, as long as we carry around the shame of sin, things just seem dirty. Things just seem clouded. Things seem obscured and we live in a darkness and we live in pain and sorrow. You know, if you're wondering, what's wrong with the world today? What's wrong with my life? Things just don't seem right. Well, maybe it's time to come clean. Now, you can't clean up the whole world, but you can start with yourself. You can clean up yourself because we know the One who cleanses. The, the psalmist is saying, God, You can cleanse me and I will be whiter than snow. You can wash me. You can purify me. We know the One who can clean that. Mm -hmm. You know that there's somebody in your house, right? Somebody who's the stain master. I'm not talking about some appliance. But somebody that when something gets dirty, it's like, how do you get this stain out of that? Most of us are fine if we're spilling a Coke or spilling some juice or something like that. But when you get into the hard stuff, I'm talking about grape jelly or chocolate. You know, that paint. That kind of a thing. Nail polish. You go to the stain master because they say, look, I know how to clean this up. And everybody's got their secret recipe. Everything from club soda to acetone to, you know, uh, dragon spit. And, you know, it's just everything, you know, whatever, you know, just something bizarre. 
But God is the one who is the stain master when it comes to sin. He knows how to cleanse and purify us. And our brokenness and our guilt do not have to be the end of our story. Because sometimes when we, can, when we make messes in this world, I'm talking about those chocolate messes, I'm talking about the grape jelly messes, sometimes we settle for good enough. You know, we just tell ourselves, well, that's not so bad. You know, it, and put a rug on it, no one will ever notice. You know, move that table over here and they won't see the marks on the wall, whatever. Wear, you know, uh, wear a coat and then they won't see the stain on your shirt. You know, put a Put a pin on it or something. We, we want to hide it. Sin doesn't work that way because it's more viral. It tends to spread. It does its work deep down in the tissues of our soul. And when we say it's just good enough or I'll cover it up or I'll just, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm probably just as dirty as everybody else. When we do that, when you do that, you're allowing brokenness and guilt to get the last chapter of the story. And God has reserved the right to end our stories. He reserves the right to finish our stories, to edit our lives. And the psalmist knows this because the psalmist says, let joy be restored in me. That's so important because sin convinces us that there is the promise of momentary pleasure. Sin convinces us that there's the promise of a moment of ease. Whether we're trying to block out the pain or cover up the sin, cover up the stain, whatever it is, the goal that we're promised is a little bit of happiness, a little bit of forget, forgetting, a little bit of pretending. But grace and mercy offers us joy which lasts in all situations. And when joy is restored, we know that God has saved us. I said that this psalm was just for those who know of their sins, that it's not a psalm for those who claim to be without sin. But for those of you who admit, and it's easy to admit that you're a sinner because we know that we're all sinners, but when you can actually name your sin to God, when you can name your sin to someone that you trust, there is healing. That's the promise of James 5. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. We tend to think forgiven, right? Because that's what we see on TV. That's what we see in the movies. You go into the little phone booth. You tell the man behind the window everything you've done. He says you're forgiven. Lickety-split, happity-slappity, and off you are. And you're good. That's not what Scripture says. We need the healing. We need the healing that draws the poison, the infection of the sin out, so that our joy can be restored, so that there's new hope, there's new life. And then, God's Holy Spirit replaces that, that infection, that stain. And we are stirred to obedience. So when we're washed, we always say this at a baptism, we're buried with Christ in baptism. And we're raised to walk in newness of life. In a new life. With new hope. With a new guide. With a new mind. 
This psalm is our song. So those of you who've experienced that baptism in Christ, I want you to take this with you because you have the resources of grace available to you. You don't have to give in to the sin. The sin will show up. The stain and the pain, its influence, it will be there. But you don't have to give in to it. We find ways to acknowledge that. And our growth as a worshiping church is to communicate that to one another, to remind one another that sin does not get the last word. When you've had enough of the denial of sin, when you've had enough of the self-condemnation of the anger, when you've had enough of thinking that you're a victim or a villain, it's time to come clean. It's time to come to Jesus. Dave Berdu has a radio show uh, here locally. Uh, some of you probably know Dave. Uh, he shows up on 89.7 and Spirit 106.3. Uh, he's got the, just a wonderful radio voice and uh, very soothing. Every once in a while I go and I talk to Dave about revivals. And it's been an interesting conversation and historical um, learning that I've been going through here. We often focus on what's going on with revivals historically in Fort Smith. Recently when I was talking to him, the things I've been learning about revivals is re revival, the re kind of revival that draws a lot of attention where you've got a, a big tent atmosphere or cathedral atmosphere and you know, maybe there's all kinds of outbreaks of uh, you know, enthusiasm and exuberance. That's all fine and good and well, but that's not the sort of revival that really makes the impact that, that, that you see in Scripture or in a community. Instead, like we're going to see in this psalm, it's that sense of revival where there is a broken and humble spirit that comes before God. A broken and contrite heart. That's the kind of heart that God does not reject. And I was telling Dave during one of our recent conversations on the radio, I said, Dave, something stood out to me that as you're heading into Oklahoma on I-40, or out by Roland, I don't remember, uh, I guess, yeah, 64, whatever, head out towards Oklahoma. Geography's not the point here. But there are some establishments right along one side of the highway so-called gentlemen's clubs that are about have nothing at all to do with being a gentleman. Massage parlors that have nothing at all to do with getting a massage. I'm speaking plainly, and you know what I'm talking about, and if you don't, then don't worry about it. But for years, there's always been a billboard on the other side of the street that would have some word of Scripture that often seemed a bit condemning or judgmental, spoke about the fires of hell and everything else, I'm not saying it's not true, but I can tell you, I don't know that it's ever 
done much good because those businesses continue to thrive. But recently, if you drive that way, there's been a billboard there that says, Churches, please have a revival. Now, if you start changing the hearts of people in churches so that such things no longer offer the empty promises that they offer, then the customers just may not be there. And that may change the environment. But to do that, we've got to be brave enough to own and name the kind of sins that cause us to support the sinful forces and the powers and principalities in this world. And we've got to let go of those things and start embracing God's Spirit And one of the ways we get there is through a broken and contrite spirit. What some of you may have just seen here a little while ago, that was a broken and contrite spirit of one of our sisters who came up here to share that. And I trust that God has not rejected her. But I want to know, what what do we need to do today so that you have that opportunity And I wonder what kind of atmosphere can we create here so that you know that you have that opportunity as well. And again, I'm not trying to call for the sort of exuberant, everybody come forward revival. That's fine, but that's momentary. But I'm talking about how do we get to the brokenness, the sincerity, the honesty so that then we can teach others and we can sing praises, that we have a word of testimony, we have a word of hope. It's an ongoing process. And the main thing that I want you to know right here and now is, it is allowed. I've told you before, maybe you don't see a formal invitation like we've talked about. And I've told you that I need to find more ways to make that happen. Well, I'm going to do that this morning. Now, what I would ask is some help. And by the way, those of you who are thinking, wait a second, I didn't get the memo on this. No, you didn't, because I'm just making this up as we go. So please work with me. I'd like to ask all shepherds and their wives, if they're willing, to just kind of just find a place along the walls here or in the aisles or down here. I need you to be a, a person who's willing to receive those who may want a prayer or may need to talk about their need of baptism. I'll tell you when to find that position but be thinking about it now i and by the way i'm not i'm not even thinking about the front here i'm thinking about over just wherever maybe at the back door wherever you're at i would ask our ministers if they would be willing to do that as well because it's not about having a shepherd or a minister it's about having somebody that you can go to that you can trust and say i need a prayer for this and will you help me and keep me accountable this week will you check in on me In fact, some of you are here, you're leaders in our Celebrate Recovery ministry. I may be asking you to do the same. Maybe you just stand up where you're at or step out from the pews a little bit. Now, is that about the fuzziest set of directions you've ever received? But do you think you've got enough there that you can be creative with that and go with what the Spirit says? Yeah. You feel pretty good about that, Joseph? Does that work? Yeah. What do you think, Brent? Can you do it? Yeah. 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 Um, you know what? You're not going to get it wrong. Just be prepared, okay? Because this is the kind of realness. It might be that my broken, contrite spirit may be that I just have to stand here and say, you know what? If you want me to pray with you, I'll pray with you. And I'm willing to do that. 
And it might mean that we just all get real for a moment and we're willing to do that. And you don't even have to explain anything and we're not going to explain it to everybody. I'm not looking forward to having a big old list of responses and getting up here and saying, you know what, so-and-so is going to be asked forgiveness for this and so-and-so is going to ask forgiveness for this and so that we can all sit around and go, ooh, well, I never predicted that one. Because none of that is what's needed. When you look at the psalm, what's needed is a broken and contrite spirit. I forgot my... So let me read. Just go back. I, when we experience that forgiveness, that renewal of spirit, because that's the kind of revival we're talking about, that revival that goes on in here, in here, that kind of renewal. When that happens, I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. And there's worship right there. We continue in worship with teaching and with singing. Unseal my lips. In other words, maybe we do need to today. We need to talk about some of this. You need to share your need for prayer with someone. Someone needs to pray for you. It's good to receive that blessing. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice... Or I would offer one. You know, if our whole point of being here today is to show up and say, okay, look, God, I'm putting in my time. We're at 1127. Oh, my gosh, the preacher's going to make me put in another 10 minutes extra. I want that credited to my account. Then you don't get it. That's not how it works. That's not how this happens. God's not interested in sacrifices. We could give him all kinds of sacrifices. Next slide. You don't want a burn offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. He will take our brokenness. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. Now, I think the next song that we have up is, uh, let's move on past that one, is My Eyes Are Dry, My Faith Is Old. If you want to think of this as an invitation song, that's fine. But what I'm inviting you to, I'm inviting you to share your broken and contrite heart in whatever way. If you need to sit there on your own and pray or come down front just as our sister did and pray, I'm going to leave that to you. If you want to turn to someone, let me ask those of you who are willing to be prayer guides, let's call you shepherds, would you now move to whatever place you can be visible? And listen, I'm asking the women to do this because some of our women need to tell some things to other women. That's biblical. Let the older women teach the younger women. Let the older men teach the younger men. I get that. We do that. And so you see these good folks who are there for you. I'm just going to take my place right here. And let's sing this song together. And while we're singing this song, you can go ahead and talk to whoever you need to.